Midland. This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. All wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Wizzlick inside with a two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. 75 yards by Monty Williams. Uh, I always do that. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. We welcome you into the Blazy Electra studio. Ben Bosher here on 100.9 The Minute, ready to get you through the next hour jam-packed sports talk radio. Here's the deal. We've got Michigan. We've got Michigan State. They played last Saturday basketball. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan, probably wanted to throw up last Saturday around 8, everywhere between 8 and 10 o'clock. It was pretty much disgusting. Uh, if you're a Michigan State fan, look, you can act like it was a great win. It wasn't. We're going to talk about it all. We've got a lot of great stuff planned out for today, but I I do have to let the audience know of one thing. The audience should be aware that right now, in front of me, the Red Wings are currently tied 3-3. to Now, we're going to talk about the Red Wings a little bit later on in the show, but I'd like the Red Wings to at least have a final score before we get into that. So here's the deal. If the Red Wings score at any point, or if they win the game, the Red Wings horn is going off. So don't be alarmed if all of a sudden you hear me scream goal at the top of my lungs. I'm going to try not to blow anybody's speakers out, but this right here, we're in a playoff race, ladies and gentlemen. It's officially that time of year. The Lions are done. Michigan is giving us nothing. Michigan State, hey, you're starting to turn things around. But as it it goes for hockey, the Red Wings are officially in a playoff race. We're not to the deadline yet. There's still moves to be made potentially for Steve Iserman. But right now, the Wings are in playoff position. Few teams chasing them from the standings, New Jersey being one of them. They play tomorrow. But as it stands right now, they're in the playoffs. This is an essential win. Every game the rest of the season is in a big game for the Wings. There's seven minutes left in the third period. It's on in front of me. So if there's ever a goal, the horn's going to go off. But for now, let's proceed with the show as planned. Uh, We'll pivot if the Red Wings score. I want to talk about Michigan-Michigan State because my whole takeaway from that game that I was watching on Saturday was I don't know who's leaving this game happy. I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, obviously you wanted to, like I said, throw up during the match or during during the game. It was 37 to 39 at halftime. It should have been tied, but Doug McDaniel decided, you know, I'm going to commit a stupid foul because that's what this team does. So you go into halftime with a two-point deficit. And if you're a Michigan fan who's watched any Michigan basketball this season, you are well aware of what's about to happen. Without a doubt, no question, they are going to find a way to act pathetic, to turn into a completely different team in the second half of this game. And that's exactly what they did. With seven minutes left in the game, Michigan and Michigan State were tied 63-63. to Michigan didn't score again. For seven straight minutes, they didn't even, not only did they not score a field goal, they didn't make a free throw, they didn't do anything. It almost doesn't seem real. That's, that's like video game type of numbers. That's like JV versus varsity 
How do you not score for a seven-minute stretch? And maybe even worse, how do you not call a timeout until there's 40 seconds left in the game if you're Jawan Howard? You go scoreless for seven straight minutes to close the game. How? Well, you commit four fouls, and Michigan State only commits one. You turn the ball over six times. Michigan State only turns the ball over once. Six turnovers in the last seven minutes of the game. Because this team, as soon as they see adversity, just rolls over. They love nothing more than throwing the ball out of bounds in critical situations. That was six of their 22 total turnovers. Last seven minutes of the game, you're 0 for 3 from downtown and 0 for 5 from the field. I don't know what's more sad. The fact that you didn't score or you only got five field goal attempts in a seven-minute stretch of the game. You only shot the ball five times in the final seven minutes of the game because you couldn't get a shot because you were too busy throwing the ball out of bounds. Michigan State shot two for 14 from three, and yet you found a way to lose by 10. You're swept for the first time against your rival since 2019. You lost in Ann Arbor for the first time since 2019. You lost by a combined 29 points to your rival this year. To nobody's surprise. Which leads me to Juwan Howard. And I know we've done the Juwan Howard song and dance many times. But here's where it's different this time around compared to how we've talked about him in past years. Or in past weeks. Everybody's on the same page. We want him gone. Nobody wants Juwan Howard to be the coach here next year. In fact, if he is, if Ward Manuel decides or has the audacity to bring this guy back as the head coach, people are going to freak out. Rightfully so. Because he's 2-13 and 13 in his past 15 games. That dates all the way back to December 19th, the double overtime loss to Florida. Nine of those 13 losses have come by double digits. So not only are you losing games, you're getting blown out. And for the most part, you're going into halftime with the game somewhat close. Yet, you spiral out of control every single second half. You're on track to have, no, no, you're not on track. You are going to have your first losing season since the 2009-2010 season. Supposed to be the leaders in the best, right? Far from it. You're 10 and 10 in the Big Ten in the COVID year. 14 and 3 in 2021. So to no one's surprise, ever since then, they've just progressively gotten worse under Juwan Howard. And Juwan Howard loves to talk about that 2020 run, 21 run to the Elite Eight. Brings it up as much as he possibly can. Congratulations, you went on a run with Hunter Dickinson, Franz Wagner, NBA stud, Isaiah Livers, and Eli Brooks. None of which were really your recruits besides Hunter, who only came for the strength and conditioning program. And that coach already left. Because why? You got in a fight with Juwan Howard. Terrence Williams, the only guy that's still around from that group. Keep in mind, this was only two years ago. Terrence Williams, the only guy that survived the last couple of seasons, and I'm sure he wishes he transferred. 2022, you go 11-9 in the Big Ten. Last season, you go 11-9 in the Big Ten. And now this season, you're 3-12 and with five games left. Those five games are at Northwestern versus Purdue. Good luck. At Rutgers, you already lost to them at home. At Ohio State, they just fired their coach and knocked off Purdue somehow. And versus Nebraska, who you've already lost by 20 against. You are dead last in the Big Ten. Dead last. Ohio State's the only team that has more wins. They've got three more than Michigan right now. You haven't finished last in the Big Ten 
since 1967. And every time there's this large discrepancy in the last time someone did something, I like to go look at, you know, what was relevant in 1967. <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain won just one MVP in the NBA. The last time Michigan finished dead last in the Big Ten, which they are almost guaranteed to do in 2024. Want to know who won the Super Bowl? Packers. Want to know what Super Bowl it was? The first one. <laughs> That's the last time Michigan finished last in the Big Ten. So here we are, ready for Juwan to be done. Listen, I, I, I thought this was going to last until the... I still believe it's going to last into the offseason. I think Jawan's going to get to finish the year. But that's where I differ from where I did a week ago. He has to go. Like now. Because you have Michigan State fans filling up Chrysler Center chanting, go green, go white. More on that later. But Michigan State, on the other hand, don't think you're off the hook for this game. You can cover up the fact that Michigan State played terrible with the fact that they beat the rivals on the road, swept Michigan for the first time since 2019. You can cover up the fact that you played bad with all that, but that doesn't change the fact that you were in a six-point game with five minutes to go. Really? Six-point game? You're lucky Michigan has a crippling addiction to turning the ball over. And Michigan State's going to say they forced all those turnovers. That's fine. But half of Michigan's turnovers are just a result of throwing the ball out of bounds due to a lack of communication and focus. Granted, Michigan State did a good job on defense, one of the better teams in the country, but don't take all the credit for some of those Michigan miscues. It's bad coaching. Michigan State shot uh, two for 14 from three. 43% from the field straight up. You were out-rebounded 35 to 31 despite playing two big men at a time at occasion. And you had two less assists than Michigan. How you won this game? Michigan stinks. Straight up. This was way too close of a game if you're Michigan State. Because we just got done talking about how historically bad Michigan is, yet, like I said, it's a six-point game with five minutes left. And I know what a lot of people out there are probably thinking to themselves. Quit trying to shadow the fact that Michigan lost, MSU won, a win's a win. No, that's not really the case and never has been. In fact, it's, it's probably one of my biggest pet peeves in college sports that a win is a win. No, beating UConn by 20 and beating Michigan by 10 are two completely different things. And I know there's a good amount of the audience that probably, th well, you're just looking through the maze and blue lens. No, this is called reality. I'm well aware of how bad Michigan is. I'm well aware of the reality that Michigan is one of the worst teams in college basketball. At least that's what it feels like watching. Maybe one of the most underachieving teams. But Michigan State should not walk it out, out of that game and feel great about that win. Because if they are going back to East Lansing, thinking to themselves, well, look at us. We just went to Ann Arbor and won for the first time since 2019 in that building. If you're satisfied with that, you're not going on a long March Madness run. And I get it. It's a rivalry game. Sometimes those games are closer. Guys, Michigan just sucks. Like, there is no way around that. If you are a legitimate tournament team, you have to blow a Michigan team out of the water. Which leads me, leads me to my question for everybody. Is anyone happy with how that game went on Saturday? We're not trying to 
you know, push anybody away. This is Michigan fans being invited to the conversation. This is Michigan State fans being invited to the conversation. No discrimination on President's Day, which apparently is a, a holiday now. I had no idea. Uh, I think that's why the Red Wings started at 3.30. There's been hockey on all day. So there we go. Still 3-3, three, three, three minutes left in that game. But there's my question. Is anyone actually happy with their college basketball team right now? And this is a direct uh, call out to all the Central Michigan fans out there. Hell yeah, you're happy with your basketball team knocking off the Broncos again. Woo! Hashtag fire up chips. 989-837-6125. Are you happy with the state of your college basketball program right now? Um, Coming up in a little bit, we got to wait on this Red Wings game. I've also got note that there's a free agent out there, NFL, five-time Pro Bowler, who I think the Lions should give a call. That's all coming up on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Michigan Dorg. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. about it if you're a Michigan fan. The worst part about the loss on Saturday is the fact that you let Michigan State fans invade your stadium, take over your city, and start chanting, go green, go white. You would have thought that was in the Breslin Center, how loud that chant got going. There was chants during the game. There was chants in the concourse after the game. And I know it a lot, a lot of Michigan State fans will call Michigan fans fair-weather people, fair-weather fans. And if you want to take it to that extreme, that's completely fine. I just think people are out on the entire Juwan Howard thing. By the way, uh, 118 left in the, the Red Wings game. Still tied 3-3. Seattle's on the power play. I think everyone is just completely out on Juwan Howard and doesn't really care to show support to him anymore. The only person supporting him to this day is Ward Manuel who has consistently said we're not going to make any moves in the middle of the season. And for the most part, I've agreed with that. There's no incentive to firing your coach early. You may as well just let him finish out the year. What advantage does it give you to get rid of him early? But then a couple of things happened this weekend. A, Michigan State fans invaded the Chrysler Center. Everybody's out on Juwan Howard in Ann Arbor to the point where they're not showing up for games because they don't give them incentive to. They don't play hard. They don't care. It's lazy and uncompetitive basketball. So people stopped going. That's a problem. The other thing that happened was Ohio State fired their coach and then went on and beat Purdue, number two in the country. It gives teams spark plugs. It gives teams some sort of life, some sort of energizer when you get rid of someone who's just despised in the locker room. And I don't know whether or not Juwan Howard is liked by his players at the University of Michigan, but if I had to guess based on how they play for him, they don't like him at all. If you remove Juwan, you're at least inviting people to watch a new brand of basketball. You're telling the players, we apologize for making you play for this anger management lunatic for the last five seasons, and now we're going to give you someone who's actually going to put some competitive juice into you. Phil Martelli. I'm not saying that this team would be better per se with Phil Martelli because it's still the same roster. But I don't think they'd be this lifeless, right? And I'll throw the number out. If if you agree with me or disagree with me, you can 
chime in, 989-837-6125. Do you think Phil Martelli leading this team over Juwan Howard, that this Michigan basketball roster would just have a little bit more pit bull in them? Have a little bit more bark to the bite. Because right now they just lay over, roll to their bellies at the first sign of adversity. By the way, Red Wings are in overtime. I think a Phil Martelli team would have more wins than a Juwan Howard team right now. And this roots from the whole question, are you happy with your basketball team? Like I said, we're inviting Michigan fans and Michigan State fans into this conversation because obviously there's no Michigan fans that are going to text in and say, well, yeah, I'm thrilled. No, this is awful. You're on track to have the worst record in the Big Ten for the first time since 67. Yeah, that's right, 1967. When Phil Martelli took over as the head coach, you know, in 2022, after one of Juwan's little incidences after the game, by the way, it wasn't a punch. It was a more of a hand push with the palm. But that's what we're referring to here. Michigan went 3-2 and two during that stretch when Martelli was the coach with wins over rival Michigan State and number 23 Ohio State on the road. That's a group of Michigan guys that had a little bit of dog in them. That's a group that wanted to compete. Not the one Juwan Howard's leading this season. And by the way, when Phil Martelli took over as interim head coach at the beginning of this season, after Juwan Howard's open heart surgery, the team went 5-5. Five and five. Granted, some of those wins were against lesser competition, but they were blowing the door hinges off those teams and then went 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten. One of three Michigan Big Ten wins. One-third of the wins are with Phil Martelli. Then Juwan took over, and you're 3-13 and 13 since. If you don't think Juwan Howard is a problem, I'd tell you to please pass whatever you're smoking because I'd like a hit of it. He is a problem. He's actively tearing down this program. They started up up here. John Beeline was maybe the best coach this program has ever seen. And then Juwan takes over his recruits. They survive a couple of seasons. And then it just all goes downhill after that. I mean, the writing was in the wall last year when you have Hunter Dickinson, former freshman of the year in the conference, two NBA lottery picks, Kobe Bufkin and Jet Howard, and you still sucked. You still couldn't run an offense. You still didn't have anybody fighting for you because you had the coach's son taking dumb shots to close every single game. Watch Kansas. They know how to use Dickinson. They actually know how to use a big man. Juwan Howard had no clue. And that doesn't even involve all the off-the-court issues. He's hurting this program. The fan base will never, ever be on board with him again. The same way no one gives a damn about the Pistons so long as the Three Stooges are still in town. Monty Williams, Troy Weaver, Tom Gores. As long as they're still running things, no one will ever care. They could win 15 games in a row. No one's going to be bought in. It's the same thing with Michigan. Red Wings win! Red Wings just won in overtime. You gotta let the whole thing play out. I'm trying to 
to see who scored this last goal. It was... Oh, this is so big. The Wings needed this one. What a shot between the legs of the goalie. I'm trying to still see who saw it. It was... Who scored this? It's Charrett. Ben Charrett, fourth goal of the season. There we go. <laughs> We're going to get to the Wings in just a little bit. They take on Seattle today, win four to three, two more points in the standings. I'm trying to get the updated standings pulled up here. Uh, 62 points going into today. Uh, and then the Maple Leafs, who are just ahead of Detroit right now, 68 points. They won today, so the Red Wings really needed to get this thing done. They now have 64 points on the season. Second wild card spot, one point away from the first wild card spot held by Tampa, and now four points away from holding a top three spot in the Atlantic Division. More on the wet Red Wings in uh, a few minutes now that they've officially got it done. Let's go. We needed this one. They were starting to slip a little bit, and I was getting a little nervous. My question for the Red Wings fans out there. Now that we're approaching the trade deadline, now that we're getting to a point where every game exactly like the one we were just watching matters, are the Red Wings now everyone's top priority out there? And I guess this kind of parlays into the Michigan State-Michigan question. Are you happy with your basketball team? Because if you're a Michigan fan, obviously the answer is uh, you're disgusted by your basketball team. It pains you to watch them. So my question is, are you now Focused on the Red Wings. Have they climbed up the ladder and have taken this top spot as the priority of your sports watching life at the moment? Um, I'm trying to get back on my train of thought. I kind of lost my train of thought on the Michigan-Michigan State stuff just because um, the Wings get it done in overtime there. Uh, great stuff from them. Oh, yeah, Jawan Howard. Um, I guess I've wrapped up everything I need to say about Jawan Howard. I'm at the point where I think they should fire him now because it gives some sort of life to the team. I mean, this season is lost, but what you can salvage is these last five games by firing Juwan and letting the player at least see what you have with these guys, telling them we, we are sorry for making you deal with this guy, telling the fan base, telling the alumni, telling the students that you care that we're losing, that this is unacceptable what's happening on the court, that it's unacceptable that Michigan State fans are invading the Chrysler Center and chanting, go green, go white. I mean, take a listen to this Cohen car dunk and listen to the crowd. He's got Walker. Here comes Cohen. Watch out. Gus Johnson on the call there on Fox Sports. But you'd, you'd think that was in East Lansing. It's not. Nobody is showing up to these games anymore because they don't care and don't support Juwan. If that's the case, he's got to go. He has to go now to get people to understand that Ward Manuel at least cares, that he knows that this is unacceptable. You call yourselves the leaders in the best. Well, you're not leading by example because your head coach has been suspended two different times for physical incidences. And you're not the best. You're actually the worst team in the Big Ten. Michigan State, on the other hand, uh, five games remaining, home against Iowa tomorrow. You can listen to that right here on 100.9 The Mid at 7 o'clock. Ohio State on Sunday at home, on the road against Purdue. Good luck with that one. 
Uh, but they did just show they they can bleed. Ohio State got them. You're home against Northwestern on the road, Indiana. Listen, there is a path for you to close out the season four and one, which would mean you finish the season twenty one and ten overall, thirteen and seven in the Big Ten if you can close it out four and one. And back to my original my original question: Are you happy with that? Are you happy being an eight seed projection this morning? Like, is that is that the new goal? And I guess we hit on that a little bit last week, but you were an eight seed last year. You were a seven seed the year prior. The year before that, you were an 11 seed, and you had to fight to even get into the tournament with one of those first four in, first four out games. Are you happy with the state that Michigan State is at? I wouldn't be. You came into the year number four. And I get it. You turned it around. You made the tournament. Congratulations. You get to keep the streak alive. But are you happy with the way your program is playing right now? 989-837-6125. And I guess we'll roll this right into the Red Wings conversation next on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. The payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. 989-837-6125. Are you happy with the state of your college basketball program? If you're from around here, you're a Central Michigan alumni, hell yeah, that's the answer. You just knocked off Western Michigan, kicked their butt, swept them in the se- in the season series. Were you at the, the, the uh, what do they call it, the barn on Broomfield for the toilet paper toss game, Ben Clevenger? Yeah, I was, and I, I lost my voice in the student section. It's incredible. Over 5,000 people down there. Uh, Tony Barbie really has things together right now. I, I it's not crazy to say Central Michigan could end up in the March Madness tournament while Michigan, on the other hand, is in fact going to miss the NIT. We already know the answer to every person out there who's going to text in about Michigan. You're not happy with the state of your college basketball program. It's an event session for you. Uh, if you're a Michigan State fan, I am genuinely curious if you're happy with what this program has done this season. Right now, you're a projected eight seed after coming into the year number four overall in the entire country. You just knocked off Michigan. You swept them for the first time in five seasons. You beat them in Chrysler for the first time in five seasons. And some people are going to view that as, hey, awesome. You beat your rivals. Can never go wrong with that. But I watch that game. I'm like, dude, you got to beat Michigan by a lot more for me to take you seriously in any, any sort of capacity. This was a two-possession game with four minutes to go. I don't know. Let's hit the Frick Sports Bar text line, 989-837-6125. Chris from Bay City chiming in. Sparty fan, happy with the win, but wish it was more like the first game. The team is on the up, especially with Hall balling as of late, so I'm still going to be laughing here on the scoreless seven minutes. Uh, Please touch on Michigan State fans chanting, do your homework in Chrysler Center during McDummy's free throw. MSU took over Chrysler. Yeah, I... I (laughs) To say Michigan State fans took over Chrysler Center would be an understatement. I mean, they owned that building on Saturday. It was embarrassing if you were a Michigan fan. The do your homework chance. Oh, McDummy. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, Doug McDaniel can't play away games for those who don't know because academic reasons. But for weeks, we thought it was he had bad grades and that's why he was going to be suspended. Or that's why he wasn't allowed to play away games. Gus Johnson made it seem like on Saturday that he got in trouble for like academic dishonesty. So 
Take what you want with that. It, it sounded like with, with Gus Johnson, essentially what he was saying was, you know, he made a decision that Doug McDaniel regret and he'll never do again. That doesn't sound like not doing your homework. That sounds like cheating. And the University of Michigan, whether you're an athlete or not, probably doesn't condone cheating. It'd be one thing if Michigan was winning and like a top 10 team in the, in the country. You probably, you might be able to get away with it. I'm not saying that's right, but it's reality. You can't be the worst team in college basketball, the worst team in the Big Ten at least, and then get in trouble for academic dishonesty because that does not fly. 989-837-6125. One more thing on Chris's text. Um, Malik called Ballin as of lately. Yeah. Yeah, he's a stud. Okay, Red Wings. Uh, If you're a Michigan fan, obviously you're unhappy with your college basketball team. If you're a Michigan State fan, I guess Chris is happy. Uh, with the state of the Spartans right now. But are the Red Wings about to take top priority? Or have they already taken top priority? Michigan fans, I assume the answer is yes. Michigan State fans, I don't know. Are you hung up on the March Madness thing? Are you ready to really lock into this playoff race that the Red Wings have found themselves in here in the month of February? Uh, Most of the calendar year since 2024, they've been in the last wildcard spot uh, in the Eastern Conference. They pick up a win today if you missed... uh, the game uh, just announced the game-winning goal live here on 100.9 in the last segment. So you guys can search up the payoff on anywhere you get your podcasts and re-listen to that. That was pretty fun. Uh, right now, nobody's saying that this is a Stanley Cup team by any means, but the Red Wings haven't made the playoffs in seven years. It's been since 2016, eight years, really. You haven't won a playoff series in a decade. And for so long, it was... All right, let's wait and see the Iser plan. We're going to wait and see the Iser plan. Trust in the Iser plan. Last season, they were in the playoffs for about 24 hours. And then you go on that trip to Ottawa. You get outscored, what is it, 12 to 3 in two nights. And you never sniff the playoffs again. You actually end up being sellers at the trade deadline and trade away Tyler Bertuzzi. Well, this year, in the offseason, you bring in a couple veterans. Even earlier in the year, you bring in Patrick Kane, who has made a positive impact on this team. And now you're looking around like, okay, the the trade deadline is coming up here, March 8th. Are the Red Wings going to be buyers or sellers? There's 27 games left in the season. And we're going to have plenty of time to talk about uh, the March 8th trade deadline um, 18 days away. But there is 27 games left in the season after tonight. 10 of those are against playoff teams. 17 of those are against non-playoff teams. Would it be disappointing if the Red Wings didn't make the postseason? Well, if you look at our preseason expectations for the Red Wings, it was, we just want to be playing meaningful hockey in the month of March and April. We just want these games to matter. If they don't make the playoffs, it is what it is. But they have to at least be in contention until the very end. Well, now we got a little taste of it. Now we got a little taste of success. And now I think anything but the playoffs would be disappointing. If you somehow manage to lose this spot you have in the NHL standings, which we can go over. Um, right now, the Red Wings have 64 points after the win today against the Kraken, which was a huge win because you had 62 before the win. New Jersey was who's creeping up from behind, knocking on the door in the standings, has 60 points. A win tomorrow for them would have had them tied uh, not exactly sure it was 
the tiebreaker there. You're one point out from the first wild card spot, which the Tampa Bay Lightning hold at 65, 65 points. And Toronto has been on a little bit of a heater as of late. They're up to 68 points, third place in the Atlantic. That's an automatic playoff bid. So you've got a little bit, little bit of ways to, uh, to reach up to Toronto. But New Jersey and New York Islanders both kind of knocking on the door of the Red Wings. If you're Steve Eiserman, if you're a Red Wings fan, are you ready to go all in on this team? And if you're a fan, that means emotionally being invested watching every game in the midst of this playoff race. And I get today was a bit of an exception because, you know, I play at 3.30. Apparently, President's Day is a big deal in the NHL. I didn't know it was President's Day until like 12.30 today. Um, But you are considered one of these teams that are supposed to make the playoffs. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you look at the Stanley Cup odds, like I said, it's a long shot, plus 6,500 to win the Cup. But the next team after that, is Calgary at plus 10,000. So there is a huge gap between the Red Wings and everyone else. That's the cutoff. It was, these are the teams we think are going to be in. These are the teams we think are going to be out. The Red Wings are in that first group, which is a good and positive sign. But as the season is starting to approach the end, like I said, 27 games left, 10 against playoff teams, 17 against non-playoff teams, the Red Wings have been on an absolute heater since the calendar flip of 2024. Are you ready to emotionally be invested into this team? Have they taken the top priority spot in your sports fandom world? Because that's where I am. I'm not even a... Typically, I'm a Pistons person. They have provided me no reason to watch them as of late. They may as well not exist. So I wonder if people are starting to adopt the Red Wings more because it's been a decade of, eh, eh. There's a a good portion of people out there now that grew up watching bad Red Wings games, which was never the case before. Now are we ready to get people back into it? Are we ready to get people back invested? And if you're Steve Eiserman, the general manager of the Red Wings, well, what does that mean for you? Well, are you ready to make trades at the deadline? And if you know anything about Steve Eisman, it's trust the process. He's not going to go trade first-round picks and bring in some... He's not going to take a home run swing at the deadline. We do know that. But are you willing to... Are you willing to bring in a couple pieces? Are you willing to make an under-the-radar move to help improve this team and give you the best shot to make the playoffs? Because anyone would be happy if the Red Wings got into the playoffs. No one's asking you to win a Stanley Cup. It's all, it's going to take a few years. That's exactly what happened with Steve Eiserman in Tampa. He did not get aggressive. He waited it out. He let the young players develop, and the Red Wings are still a young team, despite, you know, Larkin being a little bit older, Debrinkit being a little bit older. Obviously, you got Patrick Kane, kind of the leader on the back end. But for the most part, you've got a lot of young guys on this team who still have a long way to go in their development. Mo Sider comes to mind. Lucas Raymond comes to mind. You're going to continue to get better, but you don't have to be ultra aggressive for that to happen. Are you willing to be patient if you're Steve Eiserman? Because that's what he did in Tampa. He slowly started developing players, slowly added a few more guys every season, and then they rip off back-to-back Stanley Cups. Almost got three in a row. Often do we get three-peats in the NHL now. Now, Steve Eiserman, I don't believe was the... He, well, he wasn't the GM the last year of that. 
but it's what he built there. That was all because of him. So are we ready to go all in, start trading for people? Are the Red Wings at the top of your priority watching list in your sports fandom world? Because they've reached the top for me. 989-837-6125. We've still got to make some money later on in the lock of the day. Plus, five-time Pro Bowler trending towards being a free agent. Should the Lions pick up the phone? That's next on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Versus Iowa State tonight. Number two versus number six. Houston at home is minus eight and a half. I do like Houston. I also like the under tonight. Houston is the number one rated team in the country, according to Ken Palm. Complete opposite of uh, Mississippi Valley State. Houston is the number one rated defense in the entire country. Calvin Sampson just puts together a clinic on the defensive side of the ball. They are uh, Iowa is the number three rated defense in the country. They're 42nd on offense in comparison to Houston at 16. So this should be a defensive battle. The number one and number three teams in the country. That's why I like the under 131. Uh, I like Houston. I mean... Kelvin Sampson's put together a program that I think is turned into one of the most enjoyable programs in college basketball to watch the past couple of seasons. They rebound, they hustle, they play defense, they run. They just wear opponents down over, over time. They're at home tonight. I like them to win. I like them to cover eight and a half. Those are three plays I have for you. The one I'll actually officially lock up as the bet of the day. Uh, give me Houston minus eight and a half. Number two, hosting number six. That's nine o'clock. Houston minus eight and a half against Iowa State. There it is. That is lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. I keep saying that there's this pro bowler out there. It's five-time pro bowler. Jordan Schultz is all over this. Uh, be writer at, at Bleacher Report. He says the Buccaneers had a soft deadline to get an extension done with pro bowl wide receiver Mike Evans. Both sides remain far apart. Sources say Tampa Bay is set to take on $3.4 million in dead cap by not getting a deal done today. Talks will continue, but my understanding is Evans is trending towards becoming a free agent, barring an unexpected change in discussion. So, should the Lions decide to add someone who is 30 years old? You already have a wide receiver one in Amon Ross St. Brown. You've already got a developing young star in Jamison Williams. Why bring in an old receiver who's going to cost a hell of a lot of money? Well, everybody still mad at Josh Reynolds for dropping the ball. This would be the Josh Reynolds replacement. It's not going to take away touches for Amon Ross St. Brown. So before you get all salty that Amon Ross, the, Amon Ross, the wide receiver one, he's got to get the, he'll get the ball. First of all, second of all, does it, uh, doesn't even a true or false adding Mike Evans makes his team better. So let's get over the Amon Razar wide receiver, Amon Razar dude. You can't add any more talent. No, you can. You can keep adding talent. No one's arguing who's better. All we're saying is if you add Mike Evans to this team, all of a sudden you don't become one of the offenses in this league that's consistently top five. You might become the best offense in the NFL because you have your slot superstar, first team all pro, Amon Ross St. Brown. You have... Maybe the second fastest receiver in the NFL in Jamison Williams. He's like a lightning bolt in a bottle. 
he's been developing over the past eight, nine weeks of the season. Looked really good in the playoffs. That X receiver role that Josh Reynolds is, that big target, go up and get it, bigger than the corners, someone Goff can trust on third downs, that would be the replacement because Josh Reynolds is, in fact, a free agent. And am I in fairyland to think that Brad Holmes would even consider bringing in a big name like Mike Evans, someone who's going to cost upwards of a projected four-year, $93 million contract, $23 million salary? Maybe. But is it crazy to say the Lions are at a point where players like that, like future Hall of Fame guaranteed players, want to come play for Detroit? Is that crazy anymore? Is it crazy to think that people want to come play here to win? Because if that's Mike Evans' goal, it's a pretty good spot. Now, if it's the whole DeAndre Hopkins thing, I don't care about winning. I just want my touches. I just want the ball. Okay, maybe this place isn't for you. But you think Amon Ross St. Brown's willing to, uh, I don't know, he had 121 receptions this year, I think. Would Is he going to be fine having 95 receptions if, you, if it means you add someone like Mike Evans? I sure hope so. I sure hope that means he'd be willing to take not even less of a role, but just have lesser numbers at the end of the season because you add someone who has proven to be unguardable throughout the last 10 years. He's played in the NFL for 10 seasons and has had 10,000-yard seasons. Even at 30 years old this year, he was tied for first in the NFL with Tyreek Hill as the only guys with 13 touchdowns. He's a five-time pro bowler, and he's done that with four different quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield. You got to guess who that fourth quarterback is, Mr. Producer Ben Clevenger? Kyle Trask. No. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Four different quarterbacks uh, he's been a pro bowler with. Tom Brady, Jameson Williams. Uh, no, not Jameson Williams. Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Baker Mayfield. Now, I'm not saying the Lions absolutely need to go get Mike Evans. But I don't think the Lions are at a point anymore where take away what we know about the Lions since we're homers, since we know the back, like the ins and outs of this team. If you're national media and you see Mike Evans is signed with the Lions, are you surprised? Not really. You know what you probably are if you're a Cowboys fan? Scared. You know what you probably are if you're a 49ers fan? Horrified. Because if they were to make that move, the Lions would be on par with those teams. It'd be an upgrade over Josh Reynolds. That would probably be the best duo in the league. I'm a, actually, you know what? I'll take that back. That would most certainly be the best duo in the league. Mike Evans, Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, we need to see Jamison Williams. Oh, we'll see him. We'll see everybody. Adding talent makes teams better. Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Mike Evans, David Montgomery. Can you even imagine? what? That is a 49ers type of skill set of weapons. What do you do if you're a defensive coordinator and have to deal with that? It's the offseason. Let a man dream. 989-837-6125. Are you on board with the Lions entertaining the idea of signing Mike Evans? Um, the first thing Brad Holmes would probably think about in this case is, all right, does he fit the culture? 
And I know Mike Evans has probably, he's had his fair share of flags thrown at him, the unnecessary roughness penalties uh, going against corner Marshawn Lattimore, the Saints corner, Pro Bowl corner himself. They've gotten into it over the years. But that doesn't change the fact that Mike Evans isn't, like, he is a hard worker. That's what this culture is about, right? Grit, hard work, we're going to outwork you. You punch us in the mouth, we're going to get up and bite your kneecap. Yeah, to have 10 straight 1,000-yard seasons, you need to be a hard worker. Like, let's not get that part of it twisted. Does he have a little bit of a temper? Maybe. Or Marshawn Lattimore just knows how to press the right buttons. But so does C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and that didn't stop them from signing him. Granted, way different type of contract. I mean, what Mike Evans is probably seeking is top of the market. Not, not the highest on the market, but let's compare it to Devontae Adams, who signed his contract when he was 29 years old, five years, $140 million. Uh, SpotTrack.com does a lot of the salary stuff. They do a good job there. Projects a $93 million contract over the course of four years. That would be a $23 million salary. That's a good chunk of the cap. But think about what that does for your offense. Maybe he doesn't have a 1,000-yard season. Maybe Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't have 100 catches. But you know who would love that? Jared Goff. You know who would love that? Ben Johnson. You know who's going to be more open because of it? Jamison Williams, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. That would make this one of the most scary teams, offenses in the NFL. And then you have all of your draft capital go spend on defense. Maybe one offensive lineman gets thrown in there too. It would be dumb to me to not at least have internal conversations about it. I'm not saying you have to go be the top bidder or you lose the offseason. But if Mike Evans, future Hall of Famer, first ballot, is up for grabs, you know what you can't do? Let the Bears get him. You know what you can't do? Let Minnesota go get him. Or let the Vikings go get him. Or let San Fran go get him. You can't let him go to another threat. That's what great teams do. That's what the Eagles, and I get it, the Eagles fell off a cliff after their 10-1 and star, but they just continue to add talent over and over and over again. You have great positions at this, or you have great players at this position, great, we'll add more. So if you're going to let them, if you're not going to sign them, at least work up the price, you know? Make sure that teams like, the ones you're going to be competing with, like the Niners, this would be a Niners-type move. That's like when they added Christian McCaffrey. It's like, oh, you already have one of the best offenses in the NFL and you're going to add talent to it? Yeah, that's what smart NFL teams do. You got to at least entertain it if you're Brad Holmes. Uh, three minutes left. You want to hear my fix to the All-Star game? Here we go. NBA All-Star game, uh, they just, it, I mean, it was so boring. It was, it was the worst two hours of my life yesterday, and I just sat there and watched every single second of it. You have all these people taking 40-foot shots. There's no defense being played. Just saw a graphic flash up on the TV a few minutes ago that there's an average uh, length of, not length, average time of nine seconds between field goal attempts. They're just chucking up shots with no defense. 200 points were put up. Here's what I would do. So instead of drafting two, or instead of voting upon two teams of starters, East versus West, you vote on an A team and you vote on a B team. Still 10 guys, but it's split up guys with the five most votes or the A team, guys with six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 most votes. 
or the B team. They play each other to 15. Ones or twos and threes. Ones and twos, maybe 211. The rest of the All-Stars, they're in charge of making teams, calling next, and it's like a pickup game. Short game. That's why this gets out of control. The All-Star weekend is awful. The three the dunk contest nobody cares about anymore because we've seen every dunk there is. The three-point contest, it's more theatrics at this point. The All-Star game gets out of control because once a team gets up 20, there's no getting back into it because nobody's trying on defense. You have to shorten the games. Make them play to 15. Make the game shorter so it's close the entire length of the game. And then I think you're going to have a lot more defense thrown out there. There you have it. Uh, All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, Maybe a little bit of a Tigers conversation now that spring training is officially on the way starting today. Got a lot of good stuff uh, coming out of spring training down in Florida. If you're a Tigers fan, we'll get to that tomorrow. But until then, let's go to the Northwood Coaches Show with Travis. Thanks for listening to the payoff. I hope it was worth it.